This Week at Church, Pastor Cindy McKinley talks about light versus darkness. You can join us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for free coffee, free baked goods, a worship service, and a sermon to follow. The church is located by the Coventry Mall on Laurelwood Road. Just speak to our hearts and Father, that let the words go deep into our hearts, Lord. I thank you for how you've already challenged me. And, and Father, I just pray this morning that your perfect will will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pastor had read the scripture out of Isaiah, and I, I thought, wow, it went right along or goes along, verse 20. And he was re reading from Isaiah chapter 5, if you would like to read that at home sometime. That, that's a powerful chapter and showing it's quite lengthy, but even chapter 6 going in, all the woes. That, that Isaiah talks about. That would be an interesting little word study there for you to see what Isaiah is prophesying for the nation of Israel, but also for us today. But in verse uh, chapter 5, verse 20, he says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. This morning, I want to talk about light versus darkness. And we're going to be taking a look at 1 John uh, chapter 1, just kind of going through that uh, this morning and seeing what John has to say. And as John began uh, to write, it was like 70 AD, and Jerusalem had been destroyed, and the Christians had been, were scattered all throughout the Roman Empire. And Christianity had been around for more than a generation already. Is that just kind of wild to wrap your mind around? You know, to think, oh, a whole generation's passed since Jesus has died and gone back to heaven. And so here we are, how many generations later? But a generation, a little over a generation, had already passed, and the Christians had been severely persecuted for their belief in Jesus and his resurrection. There were false prophets everywhere around the world and in the church. And the false prophets were, of course, speaking what partly truth and mostly lie but they were speaking just enough to confuse the followers of Jesus that the church was starting to decline people were going back to the standards of the world thinking and acting the way the world does they were compromising their faith and they were no longer taking their stand their strong stand for Jesus and at this point in John's life, he was probably the last of the 12 disciples that were still living. He had written the Gospel of John. He's wrote these three letters, 1 John 1, 2, and 3. And as he wrote these letters, he was living in Ephesus at the time, the, the historians say. And he was nearing the end of his life. And about A.D., between 85 and 90 A.D., it says that he was taken into exile onto the island of Patmos. And it was on that island that he had the revelation from Jesus and he wrote the book of Revelation. So John has a lot to share with us in scripture. A lot that, that challenges our heart and a lot that, that gives us who Jesus was. And, and that's the, he's the only disciple who referred to Jesus or referred to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. To think about that. My mom just asked me about that a couple of weeks ago because she's beginning to teach out of John. And she says, 
I, I want to just make sure I know what he's saying there. And I says, Mom, he got it. He got it. John knew that Jesus Christ loved him. And I think, Lord, help us. Help us every day to wake up and get it. Jesus loves me. We sing that song, Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. He loves me. And John got that. And all oh, that every one of us would get that. So here John is in his writings. He's compelling the church, the believers, to come back, to come back to their faith, their faith, the bottom line, Jesus Christ, of what they once heard and believed in, to come back to that. So his letters in 1st and 2nd and 3rd John were not particularly written to one church, but he wrote these letters to the churches that he had been involved in, that he had served throughout the region, and he wrote it for us today because God wanted us to know this as well. And just as false teachers had rose up so early in the Christian walk, in the Christian faith, a generation is what, 10 years? So in 10 years' time, a little over 10 years, there's a, is that, what's a, 20, 40? How many? 20 years? Anyway, it was a whole generation. <laughs> that rose up but to think that even in that short a period of time how the false teachers came in to try to deceive people into turning away from Jesus and you know what our world is filled with those today you can listen to it on the radio you can turn on your tv you can anything you watch it doesn't matter if it's a tell you something contrary to the word of God how to live contrary to the word of God but yet it's acceptable Light versus darkness. Light versus darkness. False teachers tell us today that what? There's more than one way to get to God. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. You do realize the world doesn't have a problem with God. People will say, I believe in God. The problem comes when it's Jesus Christ. That's who they have the problem with. It's Jesus. And that's the one we serve. That's the one we follow after. That's the one we believe because he is the only way that's going to get us to God, to get us to home in heaven for eternity. They'll say that, oh, Jesus was just a good man. Some of them don't even say good man. So he was just a man. He was just a man. No, nothing special about him. And a lot of times they'll say that the things that were written was, a lot of it wasn't even true. And you don't even have to go to church to be a Christian. How many people never darken the face of a church door, but yet they say, I'm a Christian. I believe in God. I believe in God. So John's concern was seeing what was happening in the church, was calling his readers back to that foundation. And in his opening statement, in the first four verses of chapter 1, John is wanting us to know that we need to come back once again to Christian conduct, to love, and to the assurance of our salvation, which has been rooted in Jesus Christ. And what he wanted his readers to know way back then we need to be reminded of again today. So let's take a look at 1 John chapter 1. 
He says, starting with verse one, he says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. And, the, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus Christ. He says he was from the beginning. We saw him with our own eyes. We heard what he had to say. We touched him. We now we're proclaiming everything that he has taught us. Jesus was tangible. Can you imagine to be able to reach out and just hold his hand or touch him in just his physical body to walk with him on this earth? It was amazing what the disciples, the privilege that they had to be able to walk with Jesus. And John is saying, I know I experienced him personally. I saw him. I heard him. I was able to touch him. I walked with him personal. He made it personal for him. And he was sharing his personal experience, which is what God wants us to do. Jesus is wanting us when he touches our lives, when he meets our needs, when he heals our bodies, when he provides financial needs, whatever it is he does for us, he wants us to proclaim that to the world around us. Look, let me tell you what Jesus has done for me. Because I'll tell you, we can tell stories of other people and someone say, that never happened. But if I say, it happened to me, they can't dispute that. Well, there's no argument because I experienced that. That happened to me one time when I was uh, witnessing actually to a dentist. And I told him, you will not change what I have experienced inside of here. Because it was my personal testimony of what God has done for me. And it's the same thing with all of us. Because he has done something, something in your life for you. Sometimes we have to stop and think about it. Because we're so busy with life that we don't stop and think. Just getting up this morning and being able to come to church. He's given us the breath, life to do that. He loves us so much. He loves each of us so very much. So no one can take away our personal experience. We each have something that we can share. We share the natural things with people. How many of you ever called someone and said, you're not going to believe the sale that Walmart's having? <laughs> oh, if you go to the giant store, you can get two for one today on whatever. We share those things. Someone just said to me, why don't you ever tell me when you come across these good deals? We share those things. And we should be just as quick to share what God has done for us, what Jesus has done for us. It's a new experience for some of us to do that. So the first thing I found that was interesting, that we can't share what we don't have no more than we can come back from a place that we've never been. Think about that. I had to ponder that for a moment. I thought, wow, what a good statement. We can't share what we don't have no more than we can come back from a place that we've never been. 
whatever God has done in your heart and life, you can share that and let others know. He's given us blessings and he wants us to share with others. Let's take a look at verse 5. So John has told us here, he's given the springboard, you know, that it's all about Jesus. He's heard him, he's seen him, he's touched him, and now he's ready to proclaim everything that Jesus has said. And here's what he's proclaiming. This is the message that we have heard from him, and we declare it to you. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not have the truth in us, and we do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ purifies us from every sin. Every sin. Aren't you glad for that? He doesn't pick and choose what he's going to forgive us. Oh, that was just too big. I can't forgive you for that. People do that. Jesus doesn't do that. So the light When you read about the light in scripture, the light represents the good, the pure, the holy things. Things that are reliable, like God can trust the light. When you read about darkness in scripture, it's talking about the sinful, the sinful things, the evil things that go on in the world. And just like Isaiah had prophesied, they call light darkness and darkness light. It's It's all twisted around in our world today. And we have to be careful. That's why it's so important to know what the word of God says and that we take a stand on it. And and I think Ken just prayed this morning that we would speak the truth in love, but we don't back down from what God's word says because his word is not going to change. It's not going to change. So as we look at at the light, John says that he is an eyewitness of Jesus' life. And he knew beyond any doubt that it was Jesus Christ who brought life and truth into the world. And he was the light of the world. He wasn't just telling us that God is just light. He's telling us that there is no darkness. There's no evil in God at all. That's what he was telling us. (laughs) Excuse me. When he said that there was no darkness in him. So praise God. Aren't you glad? When bad things happen to us, God doesn't bring bad and evil things upon us. They come because of choices other people have made or choices we have made. But God does not bring those things upon us. They come because we live in a fallen world, in a sinful world. That's why things happen. So in the darkness, in darkness, light, once it comes in, Darkness disperses. Darkness cannot exist in the presence of light. Think about it. You come into a, a dark room, and not one with the windows that you can see have a little bit of light, but pitch darkness. And the only time I've ever experienced that was in the, the depth of a cave in Carter's Cave, Kentucky. When they turned those lights out, and you couldn't even see your hand in front of your face. That dark. And that's the kind of world, in the spiritual world that's going on in our world today, in that darkness. Light cannot exist in that. Sin cannot exist in the presence of God, just like light cannot exist in darkness. So to walk in the light, 
we have to get rid of something in our life. We have to get rid of pretense. We can't go around pretending to be a Christian and play the game because we can't fool God. We might be able to fool people, but we're never going to be able to fool God. And just because someone calls themselves a Christian does not believe, always mean that they are a follower of Jesus Christ. To be a Christian means to be Christ-like, to be like him. In James chapter 1, verse 22, it says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. It's easy to come into church and hear the word of God and say, Oh, that was a nice message, Pastor, as you're going out the door and never give it another thought. That's what James is warning us about. Don't be deceived. When we hear, when we read the word of God, search our hearts. How does this apply to me? Where do I need to make changes? That 30-30 challenge, that's what it, that's all about, searching ourselves. Because we are living in a world that is rapidly moving. We're in the end times. We have begun this. We're on this journey, and there's going to be a day the trumpet's going to sound, and Jesus is going to come, and he's going to come for those who are still walking with him, and that their lives are cleaned from all the darkness. So it's so important that we allow him to do the work within us, and we can't go around. There's a song, and I don't know who sings it, that I would live my life for Christ, that I don't have any regrets, that I, oh, I wish I would have done that 10 years back that we don't have any regrets, but that we live our life for Christ every day. And there are people that will say, and I've heard this over the years, some just repeated so many times to me, I know I don't go to church like I should, but that's okay because God understands. That's the world's way of thinking. Because God said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Even more so when you see the day approaching. As we get closer and closer to the Lord's return, he said, don't forsake, don't stop coming together. Because he knows that when we're together, we encourage one another, we're strengthened. He says, don't do that. And then he says, I've had people say, I, I know I don't tie, but that's all right. God's still blessing me. The Bible says that if we tithe, we are being obedient to the word of God. If we don't tithe, then we're stealing from God. So if we're stealing from God and thieves and robbers will not enter the kingdom of heaven, hmm, there's a scripture, there's a verse in Psalms, a, a verse, not a verse, a word in Psalms. It's called Selah. And if you read that in the Amplified Version, which Evelyn uses, and I'd love to hear this word in the Amplified, it says, Selah, pause and calmly think of that. God's word doesn't change. And he wants us to live by his word. So we no longer want to play the game. I had a lady in Lexington, Kentucky tell me one time, she came into my office and she says, I know that playing the lottery is a sin. I said, oh, okay. I don't play the lottery, but I've never declared it's a sin. And she said, I know it's a sin, but sometimes God tells me to play. I said, oh, okay. And when he tells me, I always obey him. 
And when I listen and obey him and I play the lottery, I go ahead and sin. I didn't say it was sin. She said it was a sin. I go ahead and sin. I always win. And when I win, I give it to somebody. I says, oh. She says, so here's my $5. I took it. Because the wealth of the wicked has been stored up for the righteous. I said, thank you, God. <laughs> Not that he made her sin. Do you see my point? I didn't say she sinned. She already declared what was a sin, and her, for her to do was a sin. She was deceived. Because God will never tell us, never tell us to do something that he's already convicted our hearts that's wrong. He won't do it. And for her to win, a fluke, who knows? But God will never tell us to sin. So in verse 6, he says, if we claim to have fellowship with him, and yet we walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. And because the false teachers had come into the church, John wanted us to know what the truth was, what it was, who the truth is. No one can claim to be a Christian and still live in wrong morality. They can't claim to be a Christian and still partake in evil things. You, you can't do it because light and darkness do not mix. You can't do it. So we can fool people, but like I said before, we can't fool God because he sees, he knows, he hears, he sees it all. Nothing is hidden from him. Nothing. So let me ask you, because I asked myself this question. I thought, well, I'm just going to put it in here. Does my actions every day back up that what I proclaim that I'm a child of God? Who sometimes I, it says in the scripture to let your attitude be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Sometimes my attitude is not real good. Just saying. And I have to pray, God, forgive me. I have to go to my hubby and, honey, forgive me. Bad attitude here. God just oh, applying his word. It's an it's a everyday process, everyday process. Um, in Psalms 39, 139, David says, search me, God. And know my heart. Test, my test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, God. I pray that prayer a lot. Because I know my downfalls. And I know I can so easily be tripped up at times. And asking God to search me. See if there's any offensive way in me. Have you ever offended God by something you've said, something you've done, someplace you've gone? Verse 7 says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Thank you, Lord. Two things happen when we walk in the light. The first one is, We'll have fellowship with one another. We'll want to be in church together. We'll want to do things together outside of church. We'll want to worship together and eat together. My brother takes vacations, he and his wife, with couples in their church all the time. They're all the time going somewhere. If it's for a week or a weekend, they love being together. 
because they're brothers and sisters and they show that they have fellowship with each other. I want to, I want to just kind of give you a little scenario here of what can so easily happen when we come and give our heart to the Lord. There are times that, uh, you might have lead somebody to the Lord or someone will come in and start coming to church and they'll start getting plugged in and begin to come and they'll get be part of fellowship and, and you'll just be, just connect with them and you're calling each other, you're doing things together. And then all of a sudden you'll notice that something's going, something's happened. You notice something's different going on in their life and they're not returning your calls or or they've missed a Sunday or two Sundays or three Sundays and you call them and you don't hear back from them and you pass them in the, on, in Walmart and you'd start to talk and oh well well things are you know life is busy I, I wasn't able to get there da, 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 and they make all these excuses and what happens if we're not sowed out to Jesus if we're not determined that no matter what happens, no matter what comes our way, I'm going to follow him. We can easily be tripped up when the cares of life start coming in. And before you know it, we start making excuses and we start backing off. And before you know it, well, I, I'm not going to go to church today. I'm, I'm really tired. I, we, and we can make some good excuses, logical excuses, but is that a word? Anyway, <laughs> we can make good excuses. <laughs> but at the same time, inside, something's happening. Do you see where I'm going? And then before we know it, we've been in church in months. Why? Because the closer we got to the light, what was happening? What was in our heart was being exposed. Because when we get close to the light, the light will expose the evil that's in us. We get closer to Jesus every day. Every day we come into the light. Every day we take that time. 30-30 challenge. Every day we come into the light. Get ready because when we do that, the Holy Spirit's going to say, uh, uh, let's take a look over here. I call them the nooks and crannies of our heart. It's like a Thomas uh, English muffin with those little hidden nooks and crannies. We have them in our heart. And sometimes we need heart surgery. Many times I've said, God, rip it out by the root. I don't want that thing in my heart. Don't just cut it off. Because what happens if you cut off a weed? It grows back, right? God, take it out by the root. Remove it. Cleanse me. Let your Holy Spirit, let that light shine in my heart that all darkness is gone. So as we come into the light, Day after day, His Holy Spirit is going to expose those things to us. And praise God that He does. But do something with it. Don't just say, oh yeah, that's in there, God. I'm sorry. The scripture says when we know that we've sinned, we need to repent. And to repent is to completely turn around. I'm walking this direction. God says, whoa, wait a minute. There's something here you need to deal with. Father, forgive me. What did David say so many times? Forgive me because I have sinned against you. And we turn around and start walking this way. A few weeks ago, probably a few months ago, I had this picture in my mind 
all these people on the road, because broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many walk that path, the scripture says. And here's this whole mob of people walking toward hell, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit gets a hold of a heart, and they turn around. Look at this in your mind, and they start walking the other direction with all these other people going this way. But they've determined... I'm no longer headed in that direction. I'm going this way. 